You're listening to the PKJ and Yahweh podcast, where I take the supernatural world around us, connect it to complicated biblical theology, and then try and make it simple for everyone to gain revelation. If you're new to this podcast and would like more information, please go follow me on Instagram at kevin.scott.johnson. And now time for another episode from our apologetic series. All right, and welcome back to another episode of the more fringy topics. Uh, we're not quite into uh, the fullness of aliens, UFOs, and all that fun stuff. I, I'll, I'll I'll talk about that stuff probably with with somebody. It's more fun to bounce stuff off and get more opinions. But today, uh, because I just like blasted you <laughs> last week with the Marvel uh, preview, uh, I, obviously I didn't play the preview for you, but talked you through it, gave a commentary of the preview. Probably you watched it after or before, you know, you want, you listen to the episode and, uh, and, and just really just like gave you the shotgun approach to Nephilim, uh, watcher angels, the divine council, uh, spirit, spiritual realms. Like, you know, I really just kind of threw it all out there and just said, you know, make with it what you will. But, <laughs> but <clears throat> today I want to give a little more uh, backstory a little bit to the the book of Enoch. Uh, it's not going to be a super deep theological uh, scholarly approach. It's like, oh, the book of Enoch existed, blah, blah. I might, I might hit a few of those pieces, but uh, it's, it's not my main focus. My main focus is just bringing in a little bit of context to what I communicated last week. Uh, as far as what is this book of Enoch, you know, what's in this, uh, it's part of the pseudepigrapha, you know, and, and what, what does that all mean? And, and should I, why, why don't I have the book of Enoch? And why are you reading from the book of Enoch, Pastor Kevin? Like, well, you know, like, uh, why are you reading from anybody who's written a book, period? You know, uh, any Benny Hinn book. I'm looking at my bookshelf right now. Leonard Ravenhill, um, Benny Hinn. Uh, I, don't, I didn't know I had a Benny Hinn book in there, but okay. Um, uh Gosh, I'm now I'm now I'm totally losing the thought of all the authors that I've ever made. You know, Joel Osteen, uh, Miles Monroe. Like, why are you reading any of these books? Well, because they're good. For one, are they inspired canon scripture? Well, no. Okay. Well, then they're it's it's really it's really valuable to help you get a picture of the world that the book of the Bible was written to the the multiple books of the Bible that it was written to. And you can do that by reading literature of the time. It'll put you into a place. It's like my wife, okay? She loves Pride and Prejudice. She loves everything from that Victorian era. You know, I think if I, think if I and not I think, I know, if I could buy my wife a giant, uh, you know, Victorian mansion with manicured gardens and have like, the upstairs, downstairs, you know, a scullery maid, you know, like employed, uh, man, I've, I've always told Tara, I was like, man, it wouldn't be great to, you know, like, and what's the guy, what's it, what are those guys They get you dressed in the morning? Um, and I mean, I, I know that's weird, but like, anyways, uh, if you are a, you know, one of those TV show, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, uh, anyway, so a, not a butler, it's, it's something else, it's a fancier word, but with that, uh, you know, it's this whole Victorian age world and my, my, my wife loves everything from that. As soon as it turns on the TV or, or she puts it on or she puts on the music, there's this just peace that washes over her. And she's like, ah, oh. <laughs> I'm like, I don't understand 
half the language they're saying. I feel like I feel like I use too many words in conversation uh, as it is. I talk too much. And these people are just using a whole lot more bigger words to communicate things that could be summed up. So here I am judging the pot calling the kettle black. But <laughs> with that, she just loves it because she loves that era. She understands that era better. She reads other literature from that era and that time. And it just, it makes sense to her. Whereas it's more foreign to me and I kind of watch it and I'm like, Mm, that's weird but she's like oh no like you don't understand like this is during and she'll say this year and like this is when jack the ripper was around and like and so because there's this whole series uh called dickinson i believe is what it's called and it's it's uh basically a melding of the charles dickens saga into one um tv series if you've seen it cool if you haven't cool like i'm, I'm not gonna like always I'm, I'm not a big tv show person but the cool thing about it is it takes all these series, it takes all these different uh, books that he's written, uh, that Charles Dickens has written, and melds them together into one universe, you know, like the Marvel universe, you know, <clears throat> and so it's kind of neat because you see this picture start to unfold and you start to understand like the the climate, the temperature, the, I don't mean the physical, but like the the, the economic climate uh the the spiritual uh temperature and uh, uh environment of which was uh, these books were being written in and it's pretty pretty cool to be a part of when you finally get immersed in it okay just like as if you were a marvel fan or 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 you know gosh what's the other one that we don't even care about i mean uh gosh now i probably just lost some lost some listeners of all my five listeners no <laughs> but uh you've got marvel and you've got uh Capcom, I don't know. Uh basically uh Wonder Woman, like you know, she's she's holding it together like single-handedly. So, uh but anyway, so you've got these universes that exist, okay? That they only exist within uh the minds of their creator and then they put them out. And so we obviously exist in the universe of our creator who his mind and his words brought us forth and spoke us into existence, <clears throat> which is amazing and uh, incredible. And when you look at the narratives of other stories, you look in the context of, um, you know, even Lord of the Rings, just like how did the whole universe come into existence? My wife's reading a great book right now and all she's got a podcast uh, episodes and, and whatnot coming up soon that will be telling you more about that. So I don't want to go into it, but I really wanted to share with you some of this side of the Book of Enoch. Where did it come from? What is its purpose? So we can understand the worldview, the the perspective, the idea of, of what were people thinking when they were writing the word of God, when they were writing scripture, okay? And yes, the book of Enoch is not, it does not exist in our, uh, depending on where you're listening to this uh, in the world, I guess, it's a podcast, so supposedly it can be heard from anywhere, um, but uh, if you're not in Ethiopia, you probably don't have the book of Enoch in your Bible. Uh, or if you're not from Ethiopia, uh, you know, you might not have it in your Bible. Because in Ethiopia, they have the oldest manuscript, the oldest uh, uh, document that we've ever had um, of the book of Enoch. 
which has been sustained. And so they actually canonized it into the Bible, uh, the translation for uh, the Ethiopian Bible. So it's actually part of, so there's 67 books and people are like, oh, do not add or remove from this book and, and I'll add or remove from you the plagues. And yes, that is scripture. That is true. I'm not mocking scripture. I'm not saying that that's not real. But <clears throat> also we have a system of how did we determine what were those books? You know, that like, that when when John Allen the Patmos was writing the book of Revelation and having that vision and, and he was, and then later he was, you know, transcribing it because it's not like, it's, it's not like we got someone's legal pad, okay? <laughs> Sometimes when I, when I've been growing up and, and by growing up, I mean last week, no, <laughs> I, I think like, I used to think, man, how do we, where do we, where do we get the books of the Bible? We got these letters to the, to the Ephesian churches and to the Corinthian churches and, and all these, all these epistles and these, the gospels. And were these, you know, how do we get these? Oh, they're on scrolls. And we must've like, we must've laid hold of one of the letters that while they were in, uh, in, you know, journey from Paul to Corinthian and, and someone like didn't open it, dude, like, I can't believe how naive I was, especially being someone who loves archaeology. The reality is these books and these letters, like literally letters, the letters of Paul, right? And others were, were, you know, documented and painstakingly uh, men had committed their lives to uh, transcribing them over and over and over and over and over and copying it and, ma and making more um, and more of them to syndicate it throughout the whole body of the, throughout, the, throughout the whole church. These are like a, a collection of books. So it's not like we found someone's legal pad, like Paul's legal pad of notes. And we're like, yep, this one must is inspired. There's a whole um, rubric that has to be met for scripture to be considered canon. And I, if you want to know more about that, I would check out one of my other podcasts. I believe I've already put it out there about um, the inspiration of Scripture. How do we know that Scripture is inspired by God? And and there's there's a handful of uh, boxes it has to check. I believe it's five five boxes that it has to check for it to be considered inspired uh, for canon. Uh, and this this is decided on and agreed upon by uh, people a whole lot smarter than me. <laughs> A whole lot more uh, dedicated and devoted to to, to the translation uh, of the Word of God than I am. Um, and obviously, I want it to be upheld, but like I'm not. Put, it's not where I hang my hat and and get my you know p put bread on the table with is is translating the Bible and upholding its uh, you know accuracy. In fact, even me myself as a pastor, multiple times I've been like, whoa, um, that verse I've been preaching this whole time. Uh, that's not exactly the right way. I just preached it based off of what I, the lens that I used to view it as. And that's why I found it so helpful. In 2020, I started to have more time, as many of us did. And I started listening to a lot of audiobooks, a lot of audiobooks, a lot of podcasts. And I believe in 2020, I listened to um, basically what would have ended up being a, a month and some odd days, I believe, of, of hours worth, okay, so like 24 hours a day um, of audiobooks. Now, now I, I would listen to that like 
three times, four times speed or whatever it is. So I wasn't like listening straight, but basically, and I just consumed as much information as I could. And now I've, I've, I've dialed back a little bit, but getting back into the swing of things. And I started with when I finally found the book of Enoch and I was like, why have I never heard this before? Why have I, why have I never heard of the book of Enoch before? So who is Enoch? That might be a good place to start if you don't know. Enoch, well, uh, I have this really, really cool uh, poster that a friend of mine, Micah uh, Berg, shout out to my brother. He uh, he got it for me from, I don't know where, probably Amazon or something, but it's a world history chart and it shows everybody. And basically you have Adam and Eve and then one, two, three, four, five, uh, uh, five generations, and then you have Enoch, okay, boom, born of Jared, okay, who, and, and yeah, so there we go, and he was alive with Adam for, what is that, one, two, three, like 400 years, like crazy, um, basically, uh, yeah, and then his, I'm looking at the, at the thing right now, I, good thing I'm wearing my glasses, and then Enoch's son was, Meth- oh, wow, that got loud, I'm sorry, Enoch's son was Methuselah. Maybe we know who Methuselah is. Uh, pretty great guy. And Methuselah's son was. We have. Oh gosh, Lamech. Yes, that's it. And then Noah. Now we're now we're to the flood. Now we're to the sin of the watchers. Okay, they all survived through it. And now Enoch was one of the two people in scripture, in canon scripture, canonized scripture, okay, to never die, all right? Uh, Enoch was taken into heaven, uh, and, and he walked with God, as far as we know. So Enoch is well-known in canonized scripture. He's well-known in the word of God, and he has an, a, a, a whole book that obviously wasn't a copy of a pre-Diluvian scroll that we found from, you know, Gosh, that'd be like 8,000, depending on how you you look at timelines, like 8,000 plus years ago. Um, You see, as we even have in cultures today, uh, a lot of, in fact, most all of our history was passed on uh, orally. And so they would tell the stories and it would be the telling, right? You know, the telling of the stories and the telling of of their history, of of their culture, of their peoples, you know, and and the great spirits in the sky and and all these things. And it's beautiful because we actually went to the Museum of the Rockies last year and there was this Native American First Nations uh, people's section after we got to see the giant dinosaur bones. Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to do a whole session on dinosaurs because I'm pretty sure that we have have a strong opinion about them. I'm not so sure that they, that I'm, I'm pretty sure there's a reason they're all dead, okay, for one, and not coming back. And I'm pretty sure that they were not as God designed them. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Pretty fun. I think it all ha- has a lot to do with the sin of the watchers and the fall of mankind pre-flood. And that's why they didn't get a place in the boat. Anyway, with that said, we have... Um, we have we were in the museum of the rockies and there was a section in the uh, towards the end for first nations people and they had these giant tapestries and beautiful uh you know uh elements from from their culture and they would they laid out on a big old bo- uh, board you know very well done their cultures origin stories which i thought like man 
That is fire. Like, that's way cool. And they laid out their culture's origin stories. And as you read them, they literally were uh, explaining in their own words the story of God, of redemption, of of these angels and, and this, this being who came to save all. And it's just amazing how God wove himself into every nation, right? Like into every peoples, into part of their culture. And with that, it's just, it's just been fun being a part of this whole new learning series, <clears throat> understanding a bigger picture of what has God been doing. And in the book of Enoch, we see that it was, uh, it, 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 just like in those First Nation people, their 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 stories were passed down orally from generation to generation, and who knows, maybe when they finally put it on those boards, for some of these people, that's the first time it's been written down. And so we received the Book of Enoch oral, orally, and the oldest copy we have, I believe, is around like 500. Gosh, I'm I'm, I'm going to be either dead on the money or off by a thousand years, like four. I believe it was 400, four or 500 BC, which would be about the second temple period. Um, and I believe that is when the, the, the oldest manuscript we have. So that means obviously it was, we didn't get a written version of Enoch's story until thousands of years after Enoch was well gone. Okay. But that doesn't mean that it was impossible for his story to be upheld and, and to be maintained true and accurate. So with that said, um, what is the Book of Enoch? Well, the Book of Enoch ha is broken down as what's known as one Enoch, I believe it's two and three Enoch. You have the Book of the uh, Luminaries, the Book of the Watchers, the Book of, uh, and then you have, um, I believe it's the, you know, Apocrypha, you know, not Apocrypha, but um, the the apocalyptic type text, like there's, you know, um, the Return of Christ, which is really exciting and cool to listen to. Uh, but honestly, the book of the Watchers, the first portion of the book, uh, it's like chapters one through 70, I think, ish like that. I, see, I told you I'm not going to be a scholarly perfect uh, podcast here. But that that really is one of the most solid ones that give you gives you a fuller context of literally the rest of the Bible to uh, understand a, a lot more of what were the are uh, the authors of our bible thinking when they were writing the bible we see jude uh quoting it we see peter quoting it and that's actually what i wanted to share just a sneak peek of today on this introduction to the book of enoch now again i want you to know we don't here in you know most of the world um consider the book of enoch to be canonized inspired scripture so what am I saying? That means if anything I read, anything I say points you away from the sufficiency and supremacy of Jesus Christ, his death, his resurrection, and salvation alone in him, then please like spit it out and come back later when you have a little bit, you know, of, 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 of <clears throat> I don't know, it's it like help me communicate better. So I don't, I don't lose that as the focus. Like not, it's not you, maybe it's me. So anyway, with that said, um, man, I wanted to share just a little bit here. As we read last time, we're talking about these fallen angels who are the watchers, Semyaza, you know, and Azazel, all of them and, and how they started teaching these people wicked stuff. Okay. Secrets of heaven. 
so to speak, as it's called. And they had giants, they, it, as it says in chapter 7 of uh, 1 Enoch, verse 2, And the women became pregnant and gave birth to great giants, whose heights were 300 cubits. These giants consumed the produce of all people until the people detested feeding them. Wow. So, like, they, the people had to bring them food. Crazy. And then, basically, they started to eat the people. And then they began to sin against the birds, wild beasts, reptiles, and the fish. And their flesh was devoured, uh, then the one by another, and they drank blood. Yuck. And the earth brought an accusation against the great oppressors. And then it goes through in chapter 8, saying how they... Uh, Azazel and, and the different ones taught them all different kinds of incantations, root cuttings we shared in the last one, so I'm not going to go too much into it. Listen to the last week's episode. But we see <clears throat> chapter 9, Then Michael, Surafel, and Gabriel observed carefully from the sky, these are angels, okay, and they observed how much blood was being shed, saw much blood being shed upon the earth, and all the oppression being brought wrought upon the earth. And they said one to another, the earth from her empty foundation has brought the cry of their voice unto the gates of heaven. And now, O holy ones of heaven, the souls of people are putting their case before you, pleading, bring our judgment before the Most High. Okay. And they said to the Lord of potents, okay, not potatoes, the Lord of potents, uh, po po uh, potentates, uh, for he is the Lord of lords and the god of gods and the king of kings and the, and the seat of his glory stands throughout the all gener throughout all the generations of the world your name is holy and blessed and glorious throughout the whole world you have made everything and with you is the authority for everything everything is naked and open before your sight and you see everything and there's nothing which can hide itself from you you see what azazel has done how he has taught all forms of oppression on the earth and they revealed eternal secrets, which are performed in heaven, and which man learned. Moreover, Semyaza, to whom you have given power to rule over his companions, co-operating, they went in unto the daughters of the people on the earth, and they lay together with them, with those women, and defiled themselves and revealed to them every kind of sin as for the women they gave birth to giants to the degree that the whole earth was filled with blood and oppression and now behold the holy one will cry and those who have died will bring their suit up to the gate of heaven their groaning has ascended into heaven and they could not get out from before the face of the oppression that is being wrought on the earth and you know everything even before it came to existence, and you see this thing, but you did not tell us for uh, tell us what is proper for us that we may do regarding it. Wow! So judgment is coming, and here in chapter ten, and it says, and then the Most High spoke, and the great and uh, the great and holy one, and he sent Asuriel to the son of Lamech, saying, "Tell him my name, tell him in my name, hide yourself, and reveal to him." At the end, uh, tell uh, sorry, tell him in my name, hide yourself, and reveal to him at the end what is coming for the earth, and everything will be destroyed, and the and the deluge is about to come upon all the earth, and all that is in it will be destroyed. And now instruct him, this is important, in order that he may flee, and and his seed will be preserved for all generations. And secondly, the Lord said to Raphael, 
bind Azazel hand and foot and throw him into the darkness. And he made a hole in the desert, which was in Dudael, and cast him there. And he threw on top of him rugged and sharp rocks and covered his face in order that he may not see light and in order that he may be sent into the fire on the great day of judgment and give life to the earth which and give life to the earth which the angels have corrupted and he will proclaim life for the earth that he is giving life to her and all the children of the people will not perish through all the secrets of the angels which they taught their sons and the whole earth has been corrupted by Azazel's teaching of his own actions and right upon him all sin and Gabriel said this is great the Lord and, and to Gabriel the Lord said proceed against the bastards and the reprobates and against the children of adultery and destroy the children of adultery and expel the children of the watchers from among the people and send them against one to one another so that they may be destroyed in the fight for length of days they have not they will uh, they will beg you every they will beg you everything for their fathers on behalf of themselves because they hope to live an eternal life they hope that each one of them will live a period of 500 years and to michael god said make known to semyaza and to the others who are with him who fornicated with the women that they will die together with them in their defilement and when they and when they and all their children have battled with each other and when they have seen the destruction of their beloved ones bind them for 70 generations under the rocks of the ground until the day of judgment and their consummation until eternal judgment is concluded i'm going to stop there and i want to wrap it back in here you guys this is this is like such a huge picture to get a to grasp hold of because when you look in first peter chapter 3 and it's talking about how jesus how, how in the flood we baptize we, we witness with the flood through baptism uh, even it says even as christ descended and ministered to the spirits imprisoned do, do you know that like let me give you context here and we'll take a look at first peter because this is like first peter is literally quoting enoch right here in the context of baptism helping us understand that there's so much more that takes place in our baptism and in our salvation than we than we realize period like there's so much more in the blood of jesus and let's go here first peter three and um we will start at well verse 18 is a good place to start uh yep for christ also suffered once for sins the righteous for the unrighteous that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in spirit. Verse 19, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you not as a removal of dirt from the body but as an appeal to god for good conscience through the resurrection of jesus christ who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of god with angels authorities and powers having been subjected to him who are these spirits he's ministering to in prison who do you think 
there's we don't have we we can assume and guess oh maybe people who sinned maybe people who no jesus descended into hell okay into sheol and he ministered to these spirits the watcher spirits that left their place in the days of noah and said guess what you're still defeated i've heard your cry and you're still defeated and now I'm victorious, and your judgment is firm and secure, and I'm taking back the authority and the keys that you once had and what you once stole, and I'm taking back the keys of death and Hades, and I'm going to heaven, I'm, I'm giving them to my people, and like, you know, it's pretty exciting stuff, so, but I've hit my limit for today, I don't want to take any more of your time, I hope you want more, I'm going to jump into more uh, juicy details at another time, but I want you to understand, as we get a little more into some of this stuff on Tuesdays, we'll talk a little bit about this fringy stuff. It's it's fun, but don't let it push you away or distract you from the supremacy and the necessity of Jesus Christ and him crucified, period. All right. Well, thank you. I'll talk with you guys again soon. Bye. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like more information about the show, Kevin's work, or you have questions or would like to be a guest on this podcast, please reach out to me directly on my Instagram at kevin.scott.johnson. I look forward to hearing from you. God bless.